0: Welcome, I'm Rose Aguilar and this is your call. The Black Choreographers Festival in the San Francisco Bay Area is celebrating 19 years of highlighting award-winning choreographers and dance companies, featuring unique and dynamic African and African-American dance performances. This year, festival organizers are looking to foster a new generation of supporters through the New Voices New Works Showcase on February 24th and 25th at Dance Mission Theater, in San Francisco. Show times are at 730 and you can find tickets at dancemissiontheater.org. Festival co-founder and curator Laura Elaine Ellis wanted to create a space where Black artists could be in conversation with each other and feel safe taking risks. She told the San Francisco Chronicles date book, That Black artists are, quote, not a monolith. We've all had very different experiences in this country, so we're saying really different things, end quote. How frequently are Black artists afforded the opportunity to take risks and speak their truth while also feeling confident that they can keep paying their bills? Data from Grantmakers in the Arts found that in 2016... Only 6% of organizations focused on serving black and brown patrons received comparable funding from individual donors to organizations serving mostly white patrons. A 2021 report from the Los Angeles County Department of Arts and Culture found that L.A. arts workers who identify as black, indigenous, or people of color make 35% less than their white peers. Other artists report that while support for black artists increased in 2020 as a result of calls to action after the death of George Floyd, that support is now drying up. On today's Your Call, our guests will talk about navigating San Francisco's art scene, what it will take to ensure there's enough support for artists to experiment and go against the grain, and what opportunities they'd like to see open up for black artists. Laura Elaine Ellis is co-founder and curator of the Black Choreographers Festival, Here and Now, and co-founder of the African and African American Performing Arts Coalition. The coalition was founded in 1996 by a collective of artists who were looking to create better performance opportunities for African and African American performing artists, as well as to produce shows that reflect the aesthetic and cultural representation of the African and African-American experience. Laura also performs and tours with two Bay Area dance companies, Dimension Dance Theater, and Flyaway Productions. Laura is celebrating 30 years of being a professor in the theater and dance department at Cal State University East Bay. She serves on the board for Robert Moses Kinn and is chair of the board for Oaktown Jazz Workshops. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on the Black Choreographers Festival and congratulations on... Thirty years uh, as a professor in theater and dance at Cal State East
1: Bay. Thank you, Rose. Good morning. Really Good. happy to be on your show this morning.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're also joined today by Gabrielle Christian, an Oakland-based conceptual artist and descendant of stolen folk, experimenting within somatic practices, language, performance, composition, video production and community arts facilitation to locate and center Black and queer experience. Gabrielle Christian has empowered the work and stories of blind and visually impaired folk, Black and Brown youth, Tenderloin residents, and LGBTQ plus elders. At the heart of their work, they strive to excavate oral tradition and movement as conduits for urgent and equitable conversations around belonging, spirit, abundance, and care. They're founding member of Black and Queer-led Performance and Land Projects, Oyster Knife and Black Yard. They've performed and produced original work at the Grace Cathedral, ODC, Dance Mission, and other spaces. Hi, Gabrielle. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Hi. Thank you for having me. Good morning.
0: Ashley Gale teaches dance to youth and adults throughout the Bay Area and is co-founder of the Visceral Dance Roots, I'm sorry, Dance Roots, Vis- Visceral Roots Dance Company, which tells stories that inspire, strengthen, and add tenacity during these perilous times. Visceral Roots Dance Company debuted at PushFest 2016 and has performed across the Bay Area with the Black Choreographers Festival, Black Bay Area International Deaf Dance Festival and other local organizations over the past seven years. Ashley Gale is also Associate Artistic Director at the Push Dance Company, which has established a sanctuary for BIPOC artists to engage in healing through movement and dance. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Rose. It's awesome to be here today. Well, it's great to have all of you. I I mean, your bios are amazing. I could have read so much more about all of you. Uh, You're all doing such incredible work. And, you know, I have to say, putting this show together really kind of stopped me in my tracks because there's so much going on politically. And to be honest, we're doing a lot more heavy political shows than art shows because of what's going on. Uh, But Laura you know just lo- looking at the work you're doing really the the art is as important as the politics because we need you know all of you to be putting out art and making statements and i don't know i just re- i just have really thought about the role that art plays in this moment can you talk about
1: that well it's crucial right because art is really at the core of our humanity And the more we're able to tell our narratives, tell our stories, tell our truths, I think the more we are edifying our community as well as engaging our community in really important conversations as well as ways to heal and to support each other and to really look at what's happening in our world Mm -hmm. and shift those narratives and make what I love to quote one of my favorite um journalists, political activists, writers. James Baldwin would say, "Make our world a more human dwelling place."
0: Hmm. Gabrielle, what would you like to add, given the moment we're in today?
2: Yeah, it's a really pivotal time. Um, My collective, a collective I'm part of called Rupture, which is all Black queer um, improvisers and dancers who are based in the Bay Area right now. We released a statement um, recently uh, in response to the genocide in Gaza, and it felt like a really clear moment where it wasn't about performance, but about sort of us as an arts uh, collective making a statement that was in, in alignment with our politics in a very loud way. And it was one of the first, I think, that, happened in the Bay around um, around November, December. Um, so we, yeah, that's one moment where I art sort of being the, the, the holding space for a larger need for a call for ceasefire, a call for us to take action as a community of, of folk in general.
0: Mm. Can you talk about the conversations around that? Because that's that's the other issue that, of course, we're all thinking about on a regular basis. We've done a lot of shows about what is happening in Israel and Gaza. I mean, the death toll tragically just continues to increase. We're following what is happening in Rafa. I mean, people have had really nowhere to go, but now they're really packed in. I mean, it's just devastating.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's, it's been... Kind of shocking. I was actually in Berlin right when everything started, and there in Germany is a very different response to how arts artists and art spaces can talk about this moment. So seeing how censored it is over there compared to here coming to the Bay and seeing that folks are starting to step into more uh, courage around speaking up, I think it, it was relieving actually somehow to come back here from, from Berlin, but also... I think I'm still waiting for a lot more folks to speak up. And I think it's one of those moments where thankfully those of us who are not attached institution necessarily can, can start to speak and hope that those of us who are in institutions can, can join us as well. Mm
0: -hmm. And we should just mention that people did shut down the golden gate bridge yesterday calling for a ceasefire. And if you go to the Jewish voice for peace Twitter page, there's just actions taking place all over the country. They don't, get enough media attention, but you've got rabbis, you've got Jewish Voice for Peace, so many organizations uh, really speaking out about what is happening. Uh, What would you like to add, uh, Ashley, about the role of art at a time like this when we've got so much happening in this country and around the globe?
3: You know, I've I've always appreciated artists who can... Take what's happening around them and use their art to kind of bring awareness to situations, but also provide space for conversations to happen. I think a lot of artists really enjoy bringing, um, if you will, harder topics to performance spaces. Because sometimes what can't be said can be felt and seen and heard in a different way that can start these conversations that need to happen. We need to be in spaces where we can talk about it and express how we feel openly and safely. And that's what I love about artists. And that's what I bring to my work, too, um, is to provide the starting point for those conversations and feelings that we need to push through to start Solving it, to start finding change, to start creating the world we want to see
0: and Laura, that's what you said in the interview you gave to the San Francisco Chronicles date book it is is really talking about how you know, the the trust is that the artists in the Black choreographers Festival is that they're telling a story that's authentically theirs and that there's a safe space for artists. To really push boundaries. Can you talk more about that?
1: Well, it is very important for, um, again, I'll repeat, for us to be able to tell our narratives. Um, I do want to quote one of my mentors who um, actually created the Black Choreographers Moving Toward the 21st Century. That festival is the festival's shoulders that the Black Choreographers here and now stands on. Um Founder, creator, amazing um, artist and educator, Dr. Halifu Asamari, started that festival in 1989, and it ended in 1995. And so fast forward, Black Choreographers Festival here and now um, started, of course, in the 21st century in 2005. And it was important for us to carry that legacy forward, um, vision forward. And to make sure that we continue that vision of giving um, artists a space, a safe space. And I say safe space, in other words, to take chances, to not have to worry about that word. Sometimes we shun from failure because sometimes mm. failure and chaos is a direct path to great creativity and understanding of self and art. And finding new ways of being. Um, and sometimes in spaces that are not like the Black Car Festival, people will not take another chance on you if the house doesn't go big enough. Or if, you know, the critics don't see your vision or your voice in the same way and you don't get a great review. I mean, there are all these really kind of um constructed barriers that are put in front of us and there's a double standard there, actually, um, for artists of European descent that aren't of, uh, African descent. They don't have to always deal with these constructed barriers. And that's what we want to, that's what we look to remove from the Black Choreographers Festival. Um, the last thing I want to say is the curation. I stay the heck out of the way I let mm-hmm. people bring what they want to bring. They can bring works in progress. They can bring reworks. They can bring something that they just showed in another venue, but can bring to this venue because they're going to perhaps meet different audiences or they got a great response from within themselves about what it was like performing that work. And they want the opportunity to do it again. Really um whatever serves their process their creative process and their voices artists is welcomed and i think that's another thing that's very unique that the framework really allows for different types of art and art making to be in the space
0: the black choreographers festival is in its 19th
1: year can you talk about what has changed over the years Oh, my goodness, we only have a few minutes with you, like an hour, so I won't go into <laughs> all of it. But I will say some of the um most – I will highlight a couple of things that my arts partner, I should mention, Kendra Kimbrough Barnes, because as we all know in this room, you don't do things alone, I'm not by myself. <laughs> I have an arts partner, Kendra Kimber Barnes. What we um discovered is that – um We needed to have a mentoring program. When we first started, we had art, we, we still have an artist, an artist mentoring program. Ashley was part of that program. And, um, we didn't have the best framework for it initially in 2005. And we took feedback from the artists that participated our class for that year and then reformatted the way they were engaging with their mentors and the venue, the platform that they were given to show that work. So that was a big shift that really resonated with artists better and made that program better. So I will generally say one of the ways we continue to be, sus- what should I say responsive and to sustain our vision forward is to hear feedback, to be open to it and to make shifts that, um, that work for the artists that we are looking to serve as well as kind of fits our vision as well. So there is some, you know, give and take there. So the artist mentoring program was one of them. I'm um, getting better at showing dance on film, which we're not doing this year, but we've done many times in previous years. That's something we really um want to foster and support because there are a lot of, da- well, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of folks want to dance on film, but we were already supporting that expression. So that was a, a big shift. And then I would say um having the new voices, new works, because that was initially just called the next wave choreographer showcase. And then we realized that um we really wanted to begin to be intentional about um reaching out to new voices and that new voices didn't necessarily have to be emerging artists. It could be mid-career and establishing established artists that want to say something differently with their work. So new voices, um, it, we expanded what that could be and that new works could be um, reworks or works in progress. We just sort of broadened the scope of what we, I think we were thinking about a little too narrowly at the beginning mm-hmm. of that process. Thanks, Thanks for letting are... me share that.
0: Oh, no, of course. We have time, which is which is great. Today, we are talking about the Black Choreographers Festival, which you can see February 24th and 25th at Dance Mission Theater in San Francisco. Find ticket information at yourcallradio.org. Laura Ellis is co-founder and curator of the Black Choreographers Festival. Gabrielle Christian is Oakland-based conceptual artist, founding member of Black and Queer-led Performance and Land Projects and the rupture is now Oyster Knife and Black Yard. Ashley Gale is co-founder of the Visceral Roots Dance Company and associate artist director, or artistic director at the Push Dance Company. And if you'd like to join us, if you have any questions or comments for our guests, if you would like to talk about. Uh, resources for black artists or spaces that support black art if you are a black artist or an artist of color and you'd like to talk about what your experience has been like navigating the art scene and then just a very general question what is it like to be an artist today because it's very different than what it was 10 20 years ago we'd love to hear from you and if you would like to give a shout out To one of your favorite artists, we'd love to hear from you, 866-798-8255, 866-798-8255. You can also email your call at KALW.org. Ashley, would you like to tell us about the piece that you are bringing to this year's Black Choreographers Festival? I understand you co-created it with your mom?
3: I would love to. And it's perfect because Laura was talking about new works, new voices, and I've been choreographing for many years, but this is the first work that I've had to face my own vulnerable feelings. And it's been something that's been probably a dream come true to share it with my mother. We're bringing this multi-generational piece to Dance Mission with BCF to really talk about the different chapters of life. The piece is called Chapters. It started out as a love letter to the ancestors, and it was formulated through a very intense season of grief. So that's where it starts. And by the end of the piece, we're almost reclaiming our joy. And it's just such a beautiful reflection of what your daily life could feel like, what a year in your life could feel like, what a season or a chapter in your life could feel like, this sort of up and down ride the roller coaster. Um, and it's something that I hope the audience can really connect with and relate to. Sometimes work can feel very abstract and you're, you're not sure what to take from it, but this one, feels very realistic and as a choreographer and a performer you you wish for works like this you wish you can just be your authentic self on stage and now in my career I'm embracing these moments so I hope I hope listeners out there you, you come and you feel something
0: what was it like to work on this piece with your mother
3: you know Rose it felt really natural. I like to say that my mom was my first dance teacher because I grew up with music and dancing in my home. There was no way to escape it. You know, there's videos of me in my diapers breaking it down. Um, you know, my mom's the one who taught me, you know, find the rhythm, you know, she'd pull me to the side. That's not it, baby girl, try again. Um, and so it's been natural. We've never ended that relationship with each other throughout every point in my career. My mom's been my rock, my backbone, my number one cheerleader. So to now be at this point where she's kind of breaking out as a choreographer for herself and to be able to just, be right there with her to look over and maybe share a happy tear, or to look over and to share, you know, a laugh that's just coming straight from your soul. I wouldn't change anything about it. I feel lucky and I feel blessed to be able to have this
0: opportunity with her. Mm-hmm. Well, you can see Ashley's piece as part of the Black Choreographers Festival at Dance Mission Theater in San Francisco, February 24th, February 25th at 7.30 p.m. What about you, Gabrielle? Can you tell us about the piece that you're bringing to the festival?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, It's actually... Connected to the first time I ever showed work with the Black Choreographers Festival in 2020, right before the pandemic, um, I'm part of this company that's mentioned in my bio called Oyster Knife that I created with my best friend from college. And we've been dealing with a lot of sort of really um, complicated institutions or histories within um, things like the church and the counterculture movement and the hate that sort of transitioned from Black working class to sort of more um, more white hippie um, things like this has been part of our work for a long time. So this piece, mouthful, that we actually first made in 2019 at Counterpulse, we showed a, a remount of it at the first um, our first Black Choreographers Festival in 2020, and now four years later, um, we actually premiered a larger uh, version of the work at Grace Cathedral two weekends ago. And so what I'm showing this time is uh, a small solo that I'm remixing. For uh, this contemporary, for this sorry, for this current uh, festival uh, next weekend, just a ten-minute solo uh, lip sync, actually of Nina Simone, um, that I'm I'm putting dance to as well as lip syncing. It,
0: it, since you brought up your collective oyster knife, that draws inspiration from a line from Zora Neale Hurston's essay "How It Feels to Be a Colored Me," That's right. which was published in 1928, and much of the essay is about. Zora Neale Hurston grappling with how she's perceived by white people, and she writes, "No, I do not weep at the world. I am too busy sharpening my oyster knife." Mm-hmm. I mean, what what a line! Can you tell us more about Zora Neale Hurston and how you found her work?
2: Yeah, Chabuise actually, my the co-founder, co-director, and best friend of mine, um, has been really uh, obsessed with Zora for a long time. So when we were coming up with sort of the name of our of our duet. Um, they suggested that we work with Zora's legacy because we are also two folks who came from a sort of more academic and theatrical background and moved into sort of more um, more anthropological in the sense of being with the folk, interviewing folks on the ground, documenting our histories from a black queer lens, um, not being super attached to um, necessarily institutions, but also, of course, Zora has this history of being... Uh, Kind of tied up with patrons for a long time and being also like ridiculed by folks like langston hughes uh, in the same era for being really um kind of yeah at, at the at the at the knee it sounds like some people would say of some of her white patrons so there's a really complicated legacy for her that i think is unfair because of course she did die anonymously and was sort of rediscovered right by alice walker uh 30 40 years later or more than that even um, so I think a lot of our work is in response to this, um, idea of being, uh, on the ground, making work within a very multidisciplinary lens, being stuck sort of in the complicated, uh, uh, sort of like in the, in the, stuck in the teeth of having to ask for resource from, um, white grantors or from these sort of like more complicated patrons, but also making work that it really is for us as Black Free People at the same time.
0: I just want to read a little bit because I think this history is so important. I just found information about Zora Neale Hurston from the Natural Women's History Museum. And it says she was born in... Natasulga, Alabama on January 7th, 1891. 1891. Both of her parents had been enslaved. At a young age, her family relocated to Eatonville, Florida, where they flourished. Eventually, her father became one of the town's first mayors. In 1917, she enrolled at Morgan College. Where she completed her high school studies she then attended howard university and earned an associate's degree she was an active student and participant in student government and she founded the school's renowned newspaper the hilltop i mean there's so much more i can say but i i just think this history is so important gabrielle at a time when there's such a massive push from people in the republican party to really continue to whitewash this kind of history
2: yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and I and I feel like you know even the fact that Zorro did, like I said before, um, sort of uh, pass anonymously. There's this, there's this way that I think a lot of folks in our communities are incredible or, or storytellers and oral historians and have a, the documentary of their lives really baked into their daily experience. And so a lot of our work as artists is to sort of find these folks and put them, platform them. That's what I think a lot of us are doing in in this festival as well and also in our own lives and in the Bay Area. The artists I've met here are all really about sort of pulling um, the folks around them into conversation so that no one's forgotten. So mm. I feel her work is really inspiring a lot of folks in, in Oakland and the Bay Area as well.
0: Well, thank you so much for bringing her to the show today, Zora Neale Hurston. If you just search for her name, take a read and learn more about her really incredible life. Today, we are talking about the Black Choreographers Festival, which takes place February 24th and 25th at Dance Mission Theater in San Francisco. You can find ticket information at DanceMissionTheater.org. They are really an amazing space. They do a lot of great performances. We have Chris. See Kiefer on the show pretty regularly. You can also find ticket information at yourcallradio.org. Today, we are joined by Laura Elaine Ellis, co-founder and curator of the Black Choreographers Festival. Gabrielle Christian, is an Oakland-based conceptual artist. Ashley Gay is co-founder of the Visceral Roots Dance Company. This is your call. We'll be back after this. This is Your Call. I'm Rose Aguilar. Coming up on our media roundtable tomorrow, we will discuss the crackdown on independent reporters in Azerbaijan. As of January 25th, at least 11 Azerbaijani media workers remain behind bars due to their work, according to the International Press Institute. And then we'll continue our discussion about the decline of local news and its impact on journalists and the communities they serve. If you have a show idea or a guest idea, you can email your call at KAL and if you'd like to join today's conversation, we're talking about the Black Choreographers Festival. You can see it February 24th and 25th at Dance Mission Theater in San Francisco, Show showtimes 7.30 p.m. Find ticket information at DanceMissionTheater.org or YourCallRadio.org. And if you'd like to talk about the art scene today, if you have a, a, sh- a question or a comment for our guest, if you'd like to talk about what your experience has been like as an artist of color, if you know of any spaces that support Black art, or if you'd like to shout out one of your favorite Black artists, we'd love to hear from you. 866-798-8255. You can also email your call at kalw.org. Laura Elaine Ellis is co-founder and curator of the Black Choreographers Festival, Gabrielle Christian is an Oakland-based conceptual artist. Ashley Gay teaches dance to youth and adults throughout the Bay Area and is co-founder of the Visceral Roots Dance Company. Uh, I hope you can go to yourcallradio.org because our guests are doing such incredible work in and around the Bay Area. Uh, We have an email from a listener who says, Thank you so much for the show. Please do more shows with artists about the amazing Bay Area art scene. Laura, since you have been a professor in the theater and dance department at Cal State University East Bay for 30 years, I just wonder what your thoughts are about what it is like to be an artist today because we've been doing shows about this for, gosh, since we've been on the air for years. You know, how much is spent on the arts? What is it like for artists? And when you think about just how much has really changed in the Bay Area, how expensive things are today, how so many people struggle to make ends meet, um, what is it like to be an artist in, in the Bay Area
1: today? How are artists making it? Um, <laughs> my mom used to say, um, you know, making a dollar out of 15 cents. Mm-hmm. um. <laughs> Sometimes that's really what my reality is in um, curating this festival, grant writing. I'm loving that um, Gabriel talked about um, looking to resources and where you have to look. And um, sometimes the hoops you have to jump through. I actually stay away from that. I have this process of calling up. The program um, managers and directors and talking to them directly about what my vision is and actually finding out if they're allies or not before I bother to um, to put my energy and time into um, grant writing to that particular organization, because I want to know that they care enough about what we're doing and who we're serving to even um, bother being in partnership with them in that way as stakeholders. So I don't know if all folks do that, but I do call up directly. I want to know who it is I'm partnering with. Um And a lot of folks wonder why I don't go out for more grants. And it's because I'm just that particular about who I am bringing on board to support this festival. I'm, I'm m- maybe more particular than they are, <laughs> but I think it's important. Um, And so I would say that sometimes that makes it very challenging. And, um, and then sometimes I get very, um, lucky. I think it is lucky. Um, sometimes it's not luck. Sometimes it's that people actually know what we're doing, this grassroots organization, and they respond to that. So one of the things I want to give a shout out to is the Dream Keepers. Um, initiative. Um, we actually were given support from San Francisco Arts Commission in that initiative towards our 20th anniversary. So that's exciting. And outside of a creative work fund grant that I got at the very beginning of my working through AAA PAC, um, my um, nonprofit organization is the African and African American Performing Arts Coalition, AAA PAC. We got a very substantial um, grant support award um, or substantial award from Creative Work Fund back in 2002. Um, this has probably been the largest um, award that we've received, and it's so timely because we have such great um, ideas and activities that we want to do around community engagement and sharing the lineage, that legacy of Black choreographers moving toward the 21st century and Black choreographers moving, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> Black choreographers moving to the, uh, toward the 21st century and Black choreographers festival here and now. Um, we wanna talk about that legacy and share that narrative and educate folks about that history. So that's really wonderful. I do want to say a little bit about Cal State University East Bay. Um, I have been a professor there for 30 years, my 30th year. We have had the most ridiculous cuts in the history of me being there this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just they decimated our technique courses. We don't have any dance technique courses mm. this semester. Insane. And yet we just hosted one of the most exciting concerts to ever be on that stage. The Black Choreographers Festival here now, Our opening weekend, was on that stage in Oakland with Robert Moses, Ken, um, Gregory Dawson's company, Push dance, Ashley burned up the stage that night. Um, we had Daison Solon and Jordan E. Dabney, um, as well as Dimensions Dance Theater, who just celebrated 50 years. Deborah Vaughn is the director of that company. Um, a huge house, large attendance, really supported the school. Students came for free, faculty, staff. And in the face of those devastating cuts, no technique classes for our dance majors and minors. Here we're all dance. And of course, the school was thrilled to have that happen. But those sort of um that, um, what do you call it? The irony of that is pathetic. So I'm really disappointed and completely upset about that. And then at the same time, Ashley's been through the teaching credential. We have a teaching credential that it, um, has its third cohort of Teachers, um, and it's the first time in 40, in the 45 year history of the California Dance Education Association that there's actually, um, a credential for dance educators. So that's also happening at the college. So there's this bizarre dichotomy of things going on. Um, and we really need to take action around the marginalization of Dance and theater um, at the university level, particularly here in California and Cal State University East Bay is having a really challenging time right now. So it is not a joyful place to be an artist there for me mm. right now.
0: Gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. What ex, I mean, I know that schools in California are constantly, we're seeing cuts on a regular basis with the tuition going up. And then, of course, a lot of strikes from workers. What does this school say about these cuts? What, 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 what caused them?
1: I don't know if I want to bore you with the ridiculous reason um, that they allocated too much in the resourcing and class offerings last spring. You That's know, it.
0: And Laura, I have to say, we don't hear much about dance majors these days. Are a lot of people still majoring in dance?
1: We have a significant uh, group of students that are in the dance and theater program, and they have concentrations in both dance and and theater and we have some stellar alum from our program we'll start with james monroe who founded the genie on broadway and has a tony um don williams who directs all over the bay area and beyond um uh, uh, uh um i'm gonna get her name right um Uh, Look, gosh, I hate when I do this. Um, Shalia. Shalia. um, I'm going to stop there because I'm messing up her name. Um, But we have another um, artist that um, has been nominated for a Tony. She was in Slave Play and um, also um, on television series. And when I get her name, I'm going to come back to you, Rose. I hate when I have these brain um, glitches. And um, Reggie Williams, who um, is on Broadway. Um, We have Francis Sedayo, who's here in the Bay Area. Um, Almost half of the (laughs) company members of Dimensions Dance Theater are all graduates from Cal State University East Bay as dance majors. Mm Francis is a dance major. Um, And it is, uh, and those are just a few. There are many, many more. And the college knows about these graduates, so we have um, over my history of 30 years being there have turned out all of these artists. These are all um, college students that I worked with from James all the way through to, um, you know, uh, current students who have great careers ahead of them. So I would say, yeah, we we have a very significant um, major and minor pool. And we turn out alums who go and do amazing things out in the world.
0: Wow. And, and just quickly, since you mentioned that the dance technique class is being cut and it sounds like this is a major loss, what, what exactly is dance technique? Why is it so important?
1: It's really the, um, the basis of, um, taking your, your love and interest in dance because the technique isn't just around how well you point your toe or your extension. <laughs> it's about, um, discovering your, Artistic voice. You you find that in a dance technique class. You are um, supported in finding um, the tools and ways of collaborating and creating with other artists, um, your choreographic voice. Um, So, not just um, taking your, your passion and love for dance and really allowing young artists. To find a structure and a framework to, um, learn how to break rules, like to, um, cause maybe they've been through other training mechanisms that say dance is only one way. In our desk dance technique classes, we bring in guest artists from the community. Um, students get to network and, um, Begin to build bridges to opportunities outside of their academic setting. Again, to just nurture their creative voice, their potential. It's, it's vital. And that also means that is half of their, um, you know, most of their day or at least half of their day where they are not investing in their art and because they are paying for a degree in that particular um, course work and major study they should have the framework and courses that really guide and educate them best right best teaching th- teaching practices in that coursework and so it has been gutted so there's also a great inequity in what they are paying for at that university versus what they are actually receiving.
0: Hmm. Laura Elaine Ellis is co-founder and curator of the Black Choreographers Festival, and she's telling us what is currently happening at Cal State University East Bay. She has been a professor in the theater and dance department there for 30 years. Laura, we just found a couple of related uh, news pieces, the Arkansas Arkansas Online reports that dance enthusiasts continue to mourn the loss of a degree program at the University of Arkansas. At Little Rock, this is the dance degree program, the only one of its kind in the entire state. And then according to the Denton Record Chronicle, students are pressing the University of North Texas to reconsider ending the university's dance program. Um, so, again, big losses in, in different parts of the country. Gabrielle, what is your response to what you are hearing from Laura about what's happening at Cal State, and then can you also talk about your experience and and making it as an artist?
2: Today? yeah absolutely, absolutely. I, i'm I'm first of all, yeah definitely mourning along with Laura and a lot of other folks in um and programs around the bay, but also just in the country, the sort of like De-emphasis on the arts. Um, I have a very different route into the dance world, and I definitely always admire and envy the folks who went through dance programs. I actually went through a theater program first um, at my at my college about ten years ago, and then when I came to the Bay, I found my way into the dance scene because of an ex, actually. Um, but there's a way that you know there was a lot of space actually back in 2017, 2016 for me to sort of just. Enter and sort of learn on the job, like really get trained while performing of coming in mainly as an actor first and then a dramaturg. And then eventually, you know, a lot of my physical theater background was able to translate to dance, um, thankfully. So, you know, right now in 2024, I mean, I think a lot of the folks that I work with in sort of a more experimental kind of like transnational, um, dance scene of folks who would go to, you know, Berlin sometimes or New York sometimes to, to make it, make ends meet, um, I found it it's hard to stay here full time um, for me, especially like a, a lot of the way that I can work is that I have to leave and then come back, which is kind of um, nonsensical almost. But it's been the way that I've uh, found my way through um, pretty continuous rent hikes and uh, unaffordability here. So it's also often best to leave, sublet my room get paid to dance somewhere else and, and use that income to be able to survive out here sometimes. So it's a very, um, it's a very interesting time. And I definitely am looking at the future with some concern, but in some ways also, you know, there's still possibilities of making work that I think um, has a, an impact that hopefully will change the ecosystem. And the show that, you know, I just premiered with um, with Chibweze a, a few weekends ago, um, did feel like a little glimpse of a possibility of a future of work in the Bay that I'd like to keep making. So I'm excited for what's what's next, what's possible, um, despite sort of the cuts happening in academic settings and the, the, the limited pool of resources for grants and these kind of things.
0: Ashley, you teach dance to youth and adults throughout the Bay Area. So, what are your thoughts about what Laura was describing as happening at Cal State University? And then if you can also talk about what it's like to be an artist. You you all do so many different things and how are you able to make it in today's time in the Bay Area?
3: Oh, Rose, I feel like we'll have to have a whole another chat <laughs> about how we're making it, but uh no, to to answer your question, um I've seen a lot. I'm a Bay Area native and I did go down to Orange County to get my degree, which I was very lucky to do. Um, but being down in Southern California and seeing that dance community, um, you know, I stuck it out for a while and I was like, I'm a NorCal girl. I got to get back home. And I can say that, you know, just in my 10 years of working around the Bay, I've seen things shift. So much. Mm. And a lot of artists, unfortunately, either have to leave the field, they can't make it a career. Um, it has to be deduced to a hobby, something fun that they can do when they find the time. Um, because now instead of using their, their art as a career pathway, um, they have to go what some artists call a real job, you know, they have to go get that nine to five Um which is a decision I had to make too. I was just lucky enough, like Lauren mentioned previously, is that I was able to be in that first cohort to get a dance teaching credential, which really saved me in a sense. I was prepared to kind of have to put the big dreams away and be a little more realistic about just how to survive in the Bay Area. Um, but having that dance teaching credential allows artists like myself to... Find that full-time job that can kind of keep the bills paid, but allows you to still be exploring the craft, sharing the craft. My favorite thing about being an artist is being able to inspire and share the impact that dance has given me with like-minded people. Whether they're four-year-olds who just want to roll on the floor with the scarf or there are people who I like to call very seasoned dancers, you know, 60 and up, who are showing us that it never has to stop. It can always continue and grow no matter what phase of your life is in. Um, and I think... You know, if more people can kind of lean into the fact that you need to literally move through things, your body needs to release these emotions and this tension and the stress. I, I think artists were some of the luckiest people in the world because that's, that's our air. That's our breath. That's how we wake up each morning and go to sleep each night is knowing that we can move through these feelings. Um, so it's not easy. It's not an easy task to, Keep dedicating yourself to this art form, but oh my gosh, is it worth it? Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always worth it. And I think artists, we, we do a good job of continuing to remind each other, you're worthy. Keep pushing. Keep living that dream. Keep finding the resources. Keep finding the spaces. Um, so we can salvage, we can salvage the Bay Area dance community and continue to pass it down to the next generations of artists who are going to keep changing the landscape in positive ways.
0: Ashley, I love how you describe the importance of moving. I think this is so important. And and you do that at the Push Dance Company, which was established as a sanctuary for BIPOC artists to engage in healing through movement and dance. I, I think we need to do an entire show about that. Uh, just because it's so important just to move the body, especially during these times. Laura, we have just a couple minutes left, and I wonder if we can go back to the Black Choreographers Festival. If you can just tell us, give us a little more information about what people can expect
1: to see. I will do that. And I, but I do want to correct my shout out. Shalia Latour is the artist. I actually was saying the name correctly and stopped myself. But now let me share, let me share about the, yeah, the shadow's important. Let me, um, share about what you're going to see. Well, the stunning, um, duet that Ashley described, of course, and the show stopping, uh, Gabrielle, uh, solo. I got, a chance to see that at the Grace Cathedral. So I'm very excited that you're bringing that to the BCF stage. So thank you both for what you're bringing. I'm just thrilled about that. And, um, they're sharing the stage with some incredible artists. Um, Days on Solon. And um, Algen and Ford Sterling, Algin actually knows a lot of folks over at um, your radio station because he's a DJ, but also a moving artist. And I commissioned uh, this project. I'm bringing the two of these artists together who have who never met before uh, a month ago. They just met a month ago and found out they're on similar journeys and they're having a great time creating. And Rose, just to tell you about this curating, I have no idea what it is they're bringing, mm. but I'm ready. <laughs> I put <laughs> That's them. Bounce Studio space for them, and they're just creating. i um, Natalia Schof, who I'm um, sort of an audience fave, is going to be back this year. Justin Charlemann and Sean Hawkins. Two of the graduates from Cal State University East Bay are going to be collaborating and bringing, um, a duet that was, that's inspired by a solo, a beautiful solo that Justin saw, yes, um, performed last year. Um, Carl and Jetta Martin are back. Jetta in person. Carl might be through video. They're doing a collaboration. We have Crystal Bates and Hasim Bivens coming from Las Vegas, also known as Black Love. We have three artists, um, Mariana Hester, Ebony Barnett, uh, Arvion Jones. They're bringing, Ashley's talked about that next generation. They're bringing students from the Oakland School of the Arts to burn up the stage on Saturday. And Ashley Gale will be showing on Sunday. Um, and we're adding Jamie Wright to that performance. So, again, a really eclectic, fantastic um, sort of um uh, expression of, of art that, again, shows that Black dance is what we say it is. <laughs> and we have really that, um, uh, this, uh, we're really showing that we are not monolithic because there's going to be so many types of um, expression on stage. So Dazon and Algin will have live DJ music. It sounds like Ashley might have live music. We also will have um, video, some multimedia. um, But I can say all dynamic, all will have verve, and most audience members say about bcf that they are inspired they are uplifted they are usually blown away by what hits the stage so i hope folks come out and join us and we have a cake we have a. am just going to say we have a cake and chat at the end so um like my culture does like my family does we feed people (laughs) when you come and so it gives you a chance to be with artists and and with each other and eat cake and chat Sorry, Rose, I'm going to let you get in there. No,
0: that's great. (laughs) Sounds amazing. The Black Choreographers Festival is at the Dance Mission Theater in San Francisco, February 24th and 25th. You can find tickets at yourcallradio.org. Laura, Elaine Ellis, Gabrielle Christian, and Ashley Gale, thank you so much for the work that you do, the art that you bring, and the beauty that you bring to us. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rose.